This episode is sponsored by Rainforest Supply. Um, they are tropical superfoods. Uh, they gave me a couple of them, uh, the blueberry, uh, the raw banana, the cow fate. I've been mixing them in my protein shakes. Uh, the blueberry in my protein shake makes it taste like a blueberry muffin, basically. Um, but these are superfoods that uh, help heal you and your immune system and anti-inflammation and a bunch of different things like that. So go to rainforestsupply.com and find out more. Hey, this is Jordan Belfort, the real wolf of Wall Street. And you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Welcome back to the greatest show in the universe. Uh, today we have a guest who uh, is intellects out of my league in this subject. Uh, so, and I think you'll be able to tell what the, in, in the beginning of it. Uh, his name is uh, Mark Schneider, and he's the president of Gen for Nuclear. And we're going to talk some uh, issues of uh, nuclear energy and stuff like that. And um, so, how are you doing, man? I am doing great, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, awesome to be on. And uh, and you know, I, I think you and I were discussing a little bit. Uh, you know, I've got some family that actually lives. Uh, uh, out in the Missouri area, and hopefully they'll be voting for you uh, in the next couple of days. I hope so, I hope so man. Uh, are you from Missouri, <laughs> or are you, where, where are you at right now? I, I, um, I live in Virginia, but I grew up in Oregon. Nice, so nice. I'm, you know, yeah, yeah, across, across the, the nation there. <laughs> That's nice, man. And uh, yeah, you, you have some subject matter that uh, like I'm interested in, but like, I mean, after a couple of beers in them, I'm not that, I, I'm not that with it. So I'm, I'm going to let you just take it on like uh like energy, I guess. Like, what do you, is like, uh, like, what are your thoughts on, like, I guess, like, just nuclear energy replacing most energy? Is it cleaner? Is it, like, uh, like what are you thinking? Yeah, so so nuclear energy, and it, it's it's a carbon-free form of energy. That's probably the biggest thing that people don't understand is that, is that uh, you know, they've been lied to by Greenpeace as one of the major companies. And they've actually been lied to by the fossil fuel industry. So they've got both the, the left wing and the right wing kind of lying about what nuclear is. Nuclear produces no carbon to actually generate electricity. It's through literally breaking atoms apart, lots of energy is produced, right? I've got my coffee mug here. If I mined a, a uranium, a coffee mug's worth of uranium would power your life for a year carbon-free energy in a traditional light water reactor. If I put it in an advanced generation four reactor, it would power 100 people's lives in one coffee mug of uranium, right? So we're talking hugely dense amount of power. Um, you know, I was just looking at, uh, at some of the overhead maps of some of the power stations, and most power stations have like a combustion turbine and these giant two million gallon tanks of fuel, right? That tank of fuel is the size of the nuclear reactor. You might have 300 megawatts of, say, uh, of turbine, of combustion turbine, so that's using like oil and natural gas to, to, to power it. And you'll have a reactor that's the same size that produces almost three times that amount of power as that tank right? Just the tank itself. And you got a reactor in there with all the components. So you have very concentrated power in this very, very small, dense area. Um, you know, and, you know, the fact is, is that 20% of electricity in the U.S. is, may, is generated via nuclear energy, right? It is, uh, it is the safest form of energy, um, even with the accidents, right? With the accidents you know, that have happened, you know, around, you know, the U.S., it is still the safest and around the planet. Everyone wants to talk about Chernobyl. They want to talk about Fukushima. They want to talk about Three Mile Island. Um, yes, those accidents were terrible. We would never want those to occur again. And if you actually look at what the industry has done, they've made it to where you can't have those accidents anymore. Um, I'm going to backpedal that a little bit. The Russians are shutting down the last of the RBMK reactor. That's the same design as Chernobyl. If they underwent that same test with those same comedy of errors, could that occur Maybe I don't think it, I don't think they ever would get the, get in that situation, but a U.S. reactor can't undergo what 
what that designed it just the physics don't work right so then you go to the fukushima event right so fukushima they had a tsunami wiped out all their emergency systems and uh you know they lost their ability to keep the reactor cooled um after the fukushima event we install a system in all the plants in the U.S. called the BDB Flex Sensor Beyond Design Basis. So there's all this, this external equipment that is housed in bunkers that we can then turn around, hook up to the reactor to keep it cool so you can't have a Fukushima event. And that's assuming that we didn't have uh, what's called the station blackout diesels that were installed on all the reactors back in the 90s. Japan didn't have those. But we installed this system that would have prevented a Fukushima event so let's say that, you know, Diablo Canyon reactor down in California, when that, let's say, you know, that earthquake had occurred off, off the coast of California, tsunami came in and washed out their emergency systems, the same equivalent ones that would be on that reactor. They had this extra system that the United States demanded that we install in the 1990s that would have kept that, kept power to keep the reactor cool, right? So I know I'm talking a lot of things, so if you have questions, please interject. Tell me if I'm talking too much. No, it's great. Um, about this. <laughs> no, it's a great point. So, uh, so um, like, what do you, what do we do about the waste aspect of it? Like, um, where does is is that an easy resolve? Uh, like, what are some downsides? I know it is clean. It does a lot of sh stuff. Like, what are some cons on that? Like, what, why wouldn't we be yeah. doing this more? So, so the waste is a management uh, challenge. I don't want to say called a problem. I call it a challenge, right? So, if you go in and you know, and if any of your listeners or followers. If you just look up a nuclear power plant and like go on your maps, map, map site, I'll just say, um, I'll use an example, North Anna Power Station. It's in Northern Virginia. And uh, if you zoom in, you'll see these all this, this series of little circles. And that's their spent, the, the nuclear fuel, the spent nuclear fuel, that's the waste. And that's 40 years of waste sitting on this site. And it takes up less than an acre. 40 years of power, large scale power station, that's its waste. Now. And our current design reactors use a thermal reactor, right? So thermal reactor, there's, it's based on the, the energy of the neutrons. Neutrons, when, they are, when a, the nuclear reaction occurs, they create a bunch of neutrons. And they start at high energies. We call them fast. And then we, the energy drops down. We become thermal. And that's the type of reactors we use. Create a large quantity of waste. But if we used a fast reactor, we could actually consume our waste as fuel. And we know how to do this, and we've done this in the past. In early, 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 early on in the 1960s, we did this. And the Russians are actually doing this today. Um, there's a reactor called the BN-800. It was initially powered off of plutonium from nuclear weapons. So you can burn up your nuclear weapons. Nuclear weapons material is gone forever. And then uh, it's being powered right now. It's transitioning from this original weapons material into waste. And by 2022, it will be purely powered off of uh, nuclear waste. So we can, we only use about 5% of the, the energy in our fuel and we can actually then extract the other 95%. In the US right now, if we use our weapons, our waste and then depleted uranium, which is like tank armor and, and bullets, stuff like that, we, we could actually power the US without mining anything for about 10,000 years. That's pretty so, interesting. You know, it's pretty interesting. That's a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Well, and then, and then what's, what's other, what, what else is fascinating is that, um, you know, they're working on something, something called the anneal fuel. It's this blended fuel. Like right now we only use uranium as our fuel, but they're talking about designing this new blended fuel where they can actually put thorium blended with it and you can install it in current reactors. And right now reactor fuel lasts about four and a half to six years, 
right? So when I load, when I, we, we refuel them out every 18 months, right? So when I put fuel in a reactor, it lasts for four and a half years because we take it out in thirds at a time. If I use this new anneal fuel, it could last upwards of 20 years. So because of just the difference of the way thorium works compared to uh, uranium, we have a better burn up rate of it. So you'd end up with basically, we could use the existing reactors we have now and produce one eighth the waste. So, you know, we could, you know, basically upgrade all of our reactors. So it's kind of an interesting, fascinating thing what we can do with nuclear energy with existing nuclear. And that doesn't even include when we get into advanced generation reactors, new reactors coming online, small modular reactors, what we can do. There's just, there's the, the industry is actually, you know, about to make giant leaps forward. That's interesting. Well, the only reason like this isn't like going right now is because like it's uh, it's more, you make more money off of like selling people like this old power grid system that we have. Or like, what do you what would you think of the why? Why are the reasons? What's holding us back from being like uh, covered on this? Or yeah, so one of one of the big problems with uh, the, the kind of the industry crippled itself in a lot of ways, um, and we allowed outside influences to cripple us as well. Um, we're radically overregulated. Um, if you went to a coal plant you know, they don't even have a simulator, right? Like, so they have, they, your main control room is what controls how the plant operates. They don't need a simulator, right? But a nuclear power plant needs a simulator because, you know, I mean, and for good reason, right? You know, we are, you know, when accidents go bad, they do go really bad. Um, I think the governments way, go way too extreme when dealing with them. And we could talk about that in a little bit, talk about the Fukushima and Chernobyl accidents. Uh, but, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, we have radical over-regulations. Uh, plants have been fined because the stapler in this control room was a different color than the stapler in the actual, or in the simulator, right? So it's a stapler. Does it matter if one is red and one is black? No, it's irrelevant. Does it change the way you would operate, you know, the simulator versus the actual, you know, plant? But for some reason, we've allowed ourselves to be radically overregulated. And then we have layers of regulations on top of it. So we have the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which is overall in charge of regulatory oversight. The industry funds an organization called the Institute of Nuclear Power Operations. So every utility that has reactors provides money to this organization. And they go around and they grade all the reactors. Right? So they're paying money to go have people from other plants come and tell you how bad you suck. Uh -huh. Right. And then right. on top of it, you have your own people that are going to go do that to other plants, but they got to get, you know, they got to keep that ability to go tell, tell the other plants how much they suck. So they go tell their operators how much they suck all the time. Right. So as an organization, we're basically told from the U S government all the way down that we just suck. We're really bad at, at what we do. Even though when you look at nuclear as a whole, you know, our reactors are remaining online longer, less incidents, you know, less issues, you know, the highest safety performance of all energy in the U.S., but we still get told how bad we are all the time. It's, it's fascinating how the, that, that dichotomy that exists in the industry. That's interesting. Uh, uh, tell me about your company a little bit, too. Like, what, do you, uh, what does your company do? So I'm a, a nuclear power advocacy company. My, my day job, I actually work at a power plant. Um, and so, you know, I try to promote nuclear power and specifically advanced uh, generation reactor designs, right? You know, one of the things is that we got to get into the future with, you know, nuclear. Um, you know, the, the the old school, you know, large scale reactors, you know, as much as they're 
a great way of doing power. If we bring our, if we miniaturize these things and make it a more local system, you know, it's, it's a better way of doing it. If I could build a reactor that could go in the basement of a skyscraper that powers that skyscraper and say maybe the adjacent buildings, right? That's a much more, you know, a much more efficient way of using our energy as opposed to having a reactor that's, you know, 30 miles away that we have to transmit all that power across that would be to high voltage lines, right? There's all those losses, you know, it's less efficient when we do that. Um, so that's one of the things is going to these, these advanced reactors. And there's some really cool things like, you know, at the debate recently, we saw that, uh, you know, between Biden and Trump, Biden's like, you know, we're going to shut down coal or oil and gas. And, you know, I'm the nuclear guy, right? So you'd think I'd be at complete odds with those. Well, there's actually designs where it's a combined cycle of nuclear and gas turbine engine, right? Where I would use the nuclear for your major source of heat. And then I would superheat the steam using natural gas to just super drive it. So I have this super efficient turbine, right? And while you're building, you'd actually start with the natural gas turbine because nuclear takes a long time to build, but I can start with the natural gas, uh, a natural gas boiler or, or, or superheater. And I'd start off with that and I could get my, my plant up and running at a small amount of power. It may not be, you know, like a thousand megawatts. It's, say it's only 250 megawatts, but I start making money. That's one of the big problems of nuclear construction is if it takes 10, yeah. yeah, it takes 10 years to build. I'm, you know, you know, paying salaries, you know, healthcare, you know, paying for material for a decade and I'm not getting any money coming in. But if I could, you know, do this combined cycle where I start with the natural gas and I can get that thing up in say two years, now I'm making a small amount of money. It may just make enough to, you know, cover my costs, but so long as I'm covering my costs while I'm building, and then I get the whole unit online. Now I've got a thousand megawatt unit, which is going to make about a million bucks a day, right? You know, now I'm making, you know, now I'm, now I'm, you know, I'm cooking with gas, if you will, in this case, cooking with gas and nuclear. So there's a, a pairing that could occur with the industries. How much would I it cost you to start this up? Like how much would uh, your idea cost to make a million dollars a day? Like what, what would that need and like what money and stuff? Um, so when, when you come into a large scale, a large scale uh, reactor like that um, typically costs about uh, in the U.S. about 10, eight to ten billion dollars um, to get <laughs> a change. reactor. Yeah. Yeah. Trump change. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, when we talk about these small modular reactors, uh, they're supposed to drop that cost anywhere from about uh, to 20 percent to about 10 percent of that. So um, there's a the, the Trump administration. Uh, just this month announced they're funding uh, what's called the UAMPS. It's the Utah, I'm going to go, it's a municipal power system. So in Idaho, they're going to, it's funny, it's Utah, but it's actually going to be built in Idaho. So it's because <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're, they're neighboring states, but they're going to build a brand new, the reactor was just licensed a, a month ago. Uh, it's called the, the new scale power module. So right now reactors in the U.S. are somewhere between 500 and uh, you know, uh, 1,200 megawatts of power. That's a huge reactor. Uh, New Scale has said, "I'm going to build a 60 megawatt reactor, but we're going to you know treat them like beer. We're going to get you know you can buy them in 12, right? 12 packs, six packs, right? You know, so you can go to the, go to your local you know reactor store and pick these things up. You know, you know, like at the 7-Eleven. Um, but it drops the cost down. So they've been funded with 1.4 billion dollars to build 12 of these things." 12 of those are going to produce about 720 megawatts for the grid. That puts it into the large scale. But because I'm, you know, I'm using the Henry Ford concept, right? 
Henry Ford said, hey, I can build a car that the average you know, American could buy cost a month's salary. We're doing that with nuclear, where I just you know, build the same design reactor and just keep churning it out over and over again, but it's small. So I build it in a factory, ship it in, install it, and then operate it. Interesting, interesting. Well, what makes it so expensive? Like, is there a way to cut costs, like on uh, creating these things? I mean, clearly not safety things, but like what, like what, uh, what costs so much? Well, I mean, billions of dollars is a lot of money. Like what, like what costs so much on this? So, so the big thing when it comes to the cost of a large scale reactor, right, is that they're all individual. So if you looked at, you know, um, I can use three reactors that are all owned by the same company, Dominion, right? You look at North Anna, you look at Surrey Power Station, and then you look at um, BC Summer. They're all, their design is a three-loop Westinghouse. That's their design. They're identical, identical designs, but they're all super unique to each other. So I can't take a guy that is licensed at North Anna and their license won't work at Surrey and their license won't work at BC Summer, right? We actually have reactor units that are even the same where, you know, they're in the same facility. And, and I, I believe this is true, so I may be wrong on this, but Palo Verde out in Arizona has three reactors that are all the same design. And each reactor has its own licensing requirements. So you have a guy that's licensed on unit one that can't operate units two or three. Right. So that aspect. So now you're talking, you have to have three separate training programs. You have to have three separate qualification programs. So that's part of the cost. Plus you have that each reactor is, you know, unique, uniquely designed and built. So there's no repeatability. Right. So it's, it's, you know, like, it's like the difference between building, you know, a large scale home, right. You know, each home has its own things on footprint, its own blueprint, you know, like I can compare North Anna. So North Anna is on a lake. Right, and it uses a lake to cool it. And then Surrey Power Station is on a river and it has a 1.6 mile long intake canal, right? Mm. So the pumps that pump the water into the reactor at North Anna, right up next to the power plant. The pumps that pump the water in the reactor at Surrey, pump it up into an intake canal that then flows a mile and a half away and then into the plant and then back out to the James River, right? So completely different. And they were built literally to be sister plants right so the same company that built you know surrey for the it's virginia electric power company was also going to build north anna for surrey electric power for virginia electric power company so they're so unique that they have their own requirements that that drives cost up the other thing is when you're talking large-scale builds is you don't have that with that lack of repetition right i build the foundation for the containment and then to build the structure for the containment so there's no way to, to kind of keep repeating that. And it's long scale repeating. Um, you know, the Navy struggles with this. I have uh, quite a bit of experience with, uh, I did 20 years in the Navy. And so, um, you know, I worked on both submarines and aircraft carriers in their construction, actually. And submarines, they're turning, the United States Navy is turning a submarine out every six months, right? That's there crazy. are nuclear powers. So this is nuclear powered, right? Yeah. So, you know, and I've got USS Washington behind me. That was the 14th Virginia class submarine. Six months later, the Colorado was commissioned. Hmm. Right. And then six months after the next one and the next one. So every six months, you know, because they've modularized the construction, they take about five years to build, but you've got all these reactors just stacked up. And so you just, you know, I got one going, you know, I've got, you know, each different phase. And so I've got a welder that's say 
you know, he builds the, you know, the, the primary shield tank. He, that's his job or this group of this team that builds the primary shield tank. And they build primary shield tank after primary shield tank after primary shield tank. And what's interesting about the uh, Virginia class submarine program is that you have two shipyards that build, each one of them build about 40% of the submarine and then ship those 40% to each other. So now you have 80% built, right? And then the final, the, the delivery shipyard builds the final 20% to make it a whole submarine. So you've got the same thing. So and it comes up to 50-50, but let's say the bow sections are all built to Newport News and then the reactor uh, or the engine room sections are built in up an electric boat and they just ship them down. So that way you've got this repeatability, the same workers are working on the same thing. You know, whereas comparing that to the VC summer project, which was shut down to AP 1000 reactors, the same as the Vogel project, you know, you've got a group of people who've never built a reactor in Vogel learning it for the first time, and a group of people in BC Summer that are building a reactor for the very first time that have no idea what they're doing, right? So you have, you're making the same mistakes twice, whereas when you look at, when you go to a modular style construction, you know, you make the mistakes on the first one, and then, you know, you move on, and you, you figure it out, and you incorporate those, and then you get better and better interesting man like you you got a lot of knowledge man are, the, are those your degrees behind you or um so i do have my i have my uh my my bachelor's degree from thomas Edison state university and then my high school diploma i just have my bachelor's degree but uh that's awesome you know no, really cool. re yeah so i do like talking about my degree because i spent 285 dollars on it um <laughs> how'd you pull so, that off um the united states navy um oh, oh so, nice yeah so so my my experience in the navy Thomas Edison State University does a great job of translating that. So the two hundred dollars is my graduation fee and one book for one class I took. <laughs> so, <That's laughs> they, awesome. I mean, yeah. So I mean, I took I took a bunch of exams and I say there was more money that went into it, but the Navy paid for everything else that was out of my pocket that I paid. I paid two hundred eighty five dollars. Still counts. No, it counts so, for you. I, I'd count that for sure. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. And I love tricks like that. Like where you just like, yeah, it's basic economics, like the least amount of money for the most amount, like, I mean, for the most you can get. It's very American. <laughs> like, you know, the return <laughs> on really interest. Well, and, our well, yeah, return on investment. It, it, what, what's fascinating, and, and you know, th this is not just a, a nuclear only thing, but, uh, you know, I, I, I got the GI Bill while I was in the service. And there's things called, there's certified apprenticeship programs. So when you, you know, say you get into being a welder or a police officer or a firefighter or a nuclear power plant operator, you know, you go through a, a training program and they may not pay you at the full pay scale. So the GI Bill can be utilized, assuming they're certified, to supplement your income. So you're consuming that college money education and you're getting 1500 bucks a month for the first six months, 1000 for the next, and then uh, 500 bucks a month for the remainder of your time consuming a, something that you earned, right? It's not, it's not something that, you know, it's, it's not an entitlement, it's something you earned. You paid money into it. It was part of your contract, but you're getting paid so that, you know, that way, you know, let's say you're, you want to go to a police academy, you know, police, when you go to a police academy, you get paid less than an actual police officer, but now you'd be getting money on top of that. So it's just a fascinating program that the, that the, that military veterans get. It's awesome, man. Um, before we talk forever, do you want to throw any social media or anything? Uh, and uh, 
and we'll have you on more again because like uh the, give some interesting subjects that like i'm i i to like listen because i feel like you're like wait like i, I was learning the whole time <laughs> like a lot of time uh, i yeah, definitely yeah. like the subject matter there and i think it's interesting uh for a potential solution i'd like to look into it more and like figure that out like i'd like to know like way more about it like like this like so it was, it was definitely awesome like yeah, so um, so I'm pretty active on on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at subschneider s u b because I was on submarines and then Schneider s c h n e i d e r. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very open on my LinkedIn. Um, you'll find two very different personalities, right? Um, you know, LinkedIn is a professional, so I'm typically very professional on LinkedIn. You won't get my Twitter, you know, rah 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 go Trump on there um, because that's Twitter, right? You know, the Twitter's all about you know. I like to consider Twitter as, you know, it's, it's a bunch of people yelling in a room and you got to yell louder than everyone else and say something funny so that people will, will notice you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and so you can, you can find me on there. I also have a website. It's gen4nuclear.com. That's gen, G-E-N is in generation for the Roman numeral IV and the nuclear.com. Um, there's some information on there. Uh, so yeah, it, I, you know, I do love questions. Uh, my DMs on Twitter are open. Um, I answer any questions on LinkedIn as well. So any of your followers, anyone has any questions, they can reach out to me. I try to respond. Um, and a lot of times I won't necessarily have articles to back it up because a lot of it is I learned it from a technical manual while in the United States Navy. So I am the technical expert. So a lot of times I will answer the question because I don't necessarily have, you know, the technical manual that had the confidential written on the top of it, you know, sitting in a locker that had to lock up every day. So a lot of it is just based on 20 years of my experience. So I do try to use articles as much as I can uh, to discuss things. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to answer this question because I got to answer this question. I don't have a great book to discuss about nuclear energy because we suck at words as an industry. So no one has written a book that's good on nuclear energy. So I won't endorse any. Um, so <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You can find all Mark's, um, links will be, I'll just put all the links in the bottom of this YouTube video. If you're watching the video and if you're listening, um, on streaming services, just, uh, either go to that YouTube and find it or just go to the website. He told you to whatever. Um, thank you for listening. Thanks for coming on here, man. I appreciate it. Uh, it was great. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man.